I was, uh, you know, wondering what to speak about in the next few weeks between uh, now and Christmas or the beginning of Advent. Um, you're going to get a free little booklet at the end of the month, and we're going to take it, use it to go through uh, the the season of Advent. The Vineyard Church actually produces some really good material, and so uh, we're going to use that. But until then, um, what uh, what I just sensed was the Lord sort of drawing attention to these pictures we have on either side and of the building, and in a sense saying, remind them of what I've promised. Uh, this one uh, comes from Toronto Airport Vineyard uh, Airport Church. Uh, out of which revival uh, spread really all over the world and has been going on for years now. Um, and I went there in 2009 at the beginning and uh, Heather Sinnott, who her father is the wor- one of the worship leaders there, was right there at the beginning, was painting this. And she really had just done during the worship this, the bottom part, a little bit of the bottom part. And as I saw it, I said, you know, we were in uh, John Paul gym at the time and had just started off as Jericho Road really maybe a year in and it was pretty, where on earth are we going um, and what's going to happen? And this seemed to be a prophetic painting and so I looked at it and I went up to her as soon as I could and I said, do you sell these? And she said, yes, they're about $1,200 each. So I said, okay, I'll buy it. Um, And I said, can you give me a word for the church at the same time? And so she finished it and, it, and I brought it back. I remember bringing it back and telling you, and we got $1,400 right there to pay for it because you just owned it, which was cool. Um, and it's been on our wall. That, that one we'll talk about next week. That's from Bethel Church, and it's an open heaven. So you've got open hand and open heaven. Um, and what I want to talk about this morning is these open hands and uh, what, it, what it signifies. But I also want to bring to our attention, bet- between these two prophetic words, we live. God does not work through pictures in the sense of he doesn't even work through prayers. And what I mean by that is I can say, Lord, bring peace into this world. Lord, come against ISIS. Lord, uh, bring peace in this world. And he says, well, who will go? And very often uh, the cowardly way of getting out of everything is just to pray. Now, some people are called to that, but there's an element. What I'm wanting to challenge us with is that God sent his son into the world. He sent a person into this world to die on a cross and rise again that we might have hope and he's still looking for people. And so there's a promise that comes with him that says all I need is some hands, all I need is some feet, all, is, all I need is a willing person and I can do extraordinary things. So we live in between. This is what you can read it with me. Um, this word said as we got it. It said, Papa, I raise my hands up in offering. This is all I have to give. I raise in surrender. I'm handing over all of me in complete abandonment. It is all I have to give. These hands are yours. Teach them to serve as you please, and I'll wait, desperate to see your wondrous love, your unfailing love for me. I'll never be the same because I know you're alive. You came to heal my broken heart. You were glorified, your holiness. Show us your glory. Fire, fall down. Fire, fall down on us, we pray. And that's the cry. That's half of it. The other half is the response. In all the brokenness, in all the happiness, I am here, waiting to pour over you, to overflow, receive. Receive all that I have for you, the blessing. All you have to give is more than enough. I am so proud of you. I am overflowing. Be filled with my love. I want to show you my glory. Receive, rest, and I will restore. If I fall down, it's coming like rain.
And that's a cool word. And it actually might, it's, it's, you know, these words have life. So it's probably speaking to somebody right now because it's for today as well. It's for individuals and for all of us. These hands, you see the darkness and there's actually scouring underneath it, which is maybe symbolic of, of the darkness and violence of life. And there's also the uh, scriptures, pa- pages of scripture in the background. And there's these hands that are, are, are our hands and God's hands. How do we walk into this? You know, the people of, of, of Egypt, we've often said this, were given a prophetic word to take the promised land. They had probably nine months and they could get in there and it took them 40 years because they didn't believe. Because it was hard. Because maybe there were people with Kalashnikovs in the hills and they said they're bigger than us. And God said, trust me. In the natural, it's too frightening. In the supernatural, my God is greater. We have lived and we live in our time in the most extraordinary place of peace in history. Human beings have never lived in such comfort with so much until maybe 50 years ago, 60 years. If, we, if you look at the broad span of history, we live in the most rich, privileged, and peaceful time. Around the world, you could look. And so there's an element of, of the danger that we have is our war is seduction. Our war is against what seduces us into comfort and entitlement. And we lose an edge. And we start thinking that a battle is just anything that, that, that threatens my comfort and my affluence. And it's not about being guilty about that. It's about being aware of it. It's about being grateful. It's about being, Lord, what do I do with this? It's about being generous. It's about being um, sensitive to the needs of others. It's about saying, Lord, you have blessed us in order that we might be a blessing. So God's given us this word about uh, our brokenness and our raising our hands and offering. And I just want to sort of try and pick up themes in Scripture to, to say how can we walk into this? How can we, how can we actually appropriate it? Because the thing is that God, God, when he gives words, when he gives promises, he doesn't work in a vacuum. He has to have something to work with. In Luke 5, the, 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 um, the reading this morning, which I chose, uh, is about the calling of the disciples and Peter Uh, Simon Peter and his brother. And if you look at the other Gospels, they talk about Jesus came to the side of Galilee and he saw Simon Peter and he saw the brothers and he called them and they dropped their nets and followed him. You go, wow. He just turned up, said, hey, follow me, and they followed him. And you think, they've never met each other before. He just says, follow, and his charisma is so great, they just drop everything and say, it must be so easy for them. And then you read Luke's account and he says, well, it wasn't that simple. And he had been in the region a while and probably they had seen him and spoken about him and, and watched from a distance. And then he comes to the shore and he teaches and they hear him. And then he says, can I use your boat? We've talked about this many times. Can I use your boat? No, you, why would you want to use my boat? I want you to go fishing with me. We are fishermen. You don't catch fish in the morning. Not in Galilee, not in the shallows. Trust me, because you say so, I will. What's he doing? He's building relationship and he's drawing them out of their comfort zone right from the beginning. And so Simon says, all right. And they go out and and he says, cast out your net. And he catches these magnificent fish. You see, God just needs something to work with. He started with where they were. And he said, can I use what you have? And he led them into a place that wasn't intuitively obvious to them. And they took a risk and they did it anyway. Because they probably were scared of saying no. And he, he fills their net and he blows their mind with what he could do. And Simon doesn't need to be told to repent. He doesn't meet, need to be told, you miserable sinner, you're worthless. He doesn't need any of that. The presence of Jesus and the power of his spirit, falls, he falls to his knees and says, please don't kill me. 
course, Jesus had no intention of killing him. He just said, follow me. And Simon Peter and his brother, and then he goes to James and John, they leave their, note, they leave their nets, they leave their boats, and they follow Jesus. Because they follow Jesus into an adventure of which they know nothing. At that point, they're following Jesus into a celebrity lifestyle. He's healing people. It's pretty cool. He's getting a lot of attention. Lots of crowds are coming. Hanging around with Jesus is quite sweet until it all begins to hit opposition. And then all their self-confidence and all that they are begins to be challenged in the face of what their real battle is about. And they begin to get scared like the Egyptian slaves who are set free going into the promised land. It's not what I thought it would be. One certainty is that saying yes to Jesus is not what I thought it would be. It will come to a place of choice. It comes to a place of um, follow me. No, you can't bring the boats. No, you can't bring the nets. No, you've got to trust me with your father. Follow me. One of the messages of today and of this is God wants all of us, like all in. And one of the things that some of us get stuck with is, but I want this. And you can drag it behind, but you'll be left behind. He says, it's all or nothing, but I'll teach you all or nothing, bit by bit. And so he called these disciples and they followed him. And then, of course, the cross came and they all left him because they hadn't signed up for that and it was terrifying. And what they had within them wasn't sufficient to, to have any courage in that kind of battle. And so three years later, Jesus is on the shore again and he calls Peter, who's feeling guilty and feeling totally worthless because he had said he could follow and he couldn't and he screwed it up. And this time Jesus says to, to Simon Peter, do you love me? And he says, yes, I do. He's got a very different call. This is a much more dangerous call. But Simon Peter's seen enough to go, but there's nothing else that brings life. So he's not even thinking about fishing boats anymore. He's not thinking about that. He's way past that. Now it's into, do you have what it takes to to take what I've given you and, and go into the unknown, probably your own death? And he says, yes. God needs something to work with. And he leads us bit by bit into that. You can't get from here to there. So the place to start is where one is. And then he says, I will be with you as I lead you. And you will become what you don't ever dream you can become. But if you just catastrophize things and go, well, he's going to say to me, come over here. I don't have the ability to do that. So this morning it's about calling us to trust in these hands, to say all I have is yours. What's that feel like? Because the only way to, to, to know the reality of God is to actually live in that reality. Not in theory, in, in real life. And so Jesus calls these guys and they leave the boats and follow him. It's the same as those men on, on the road to Emmaus. Just, I often mention these guys. They were so dejected because they were so disillusioned because of what had happened to Jesus. And some of us live wounded. We live with disillusionment. We live with but only or why not. And we live with that. And we walk on the road to Emmaus, whatever Emmaus is. Emmaus might be our career. Emmaus might be something we're saving up for, something we're longing for. We're walking that way because we've given up on that way, which is Jesus. And Jesus meets us there in, in the form of a stranger. It might be somebody right next to you right now. And he meets us and he says, what are you talking about? Are you the only one who's not aware of what's going on? And he opened the scriptures and he said to them, this is for this reason. And he explains to them some of the meaning of what had happened around the crucifixion, which was absolutely terrifying. It was as the Paris bombings were over this weekend. 
right on your doorstep, right around the corner. What's, are we going to be next? You can imagine it. Christianity was birthed in this awful, awful violence. I've said before, the reason we have godparents is because the early Christians didn't know if they were going to live long enough to even look after their children. So I baptize my children and I have godparents so that if we, if we die, they will be looked after. And people became Christian in the early years because they saw the courage of these people who said, I'd rather die than submit to you. That's boldness and passion, conviction. And these men in the Maus Road were turned around by Jesus who met them there because you see, Jesus just needs something to work with. And what he needs to work with is whatever it is you have to offer. Because what it says in that word was, what you have to give me is enough. It's more than enough. What does that mean? It just means whatever you have to give me. So if you're angry and you have doubt, give me that. If you're dejected and disappointed or disillusioned, give me that. If you want to serve me with all your heart, give me that. Just wherever you are right now, give me that. You see, we don't have to become anything to be worthy with Jesus. We just have to be available with wherever we are. And he begins to lead us into more. And so the, the people on the Emmaus Road gave him their questions. The people at the fish, uh, you know, James and John and Peter gave him fishing boats and then the next three years of their lives. And the thing that was capturing me in this word this time was this uh, allusion to fire. You are glorified, your holiness, show us your glory. Fire fall down, fire fall down. And this whole thing of fire falling down. The fire is a, is a, is a, is a picture of the Holy Spirit. What does fire conjure up for you when you think of the fire of God? For many it's judgment. The fire of judgment, wrath and brimstone and you're going to be burned. But fire can also mean light, which led the people out of slavery. Fire can mean warmth. Fire can mean provision. Fire can mean protection. And when we get a prophetic word about fire fall down, it's got nothing to do with danger. It's got nothing to do with fear. It's got nothing to do with anything that will harm. It's got to do with helping. It's got to do with presence. It's got to do with power. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10, it talks about uh, being tested with fire. And Paul talks about how uh, everything that we have will be tested by fire. Okay, their work will be shown for what it is, thank you, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive award, reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though, even though only as one escaping through the flames. How does that sound? That everything that you have right now will be tested by fire. You go, oh shoot, call me cinders. What if God says to us, why don't you look at fire like a purifying and refining? So what if I provide fire for you along the way? What if I say, um, let my fire come down so that whatever is not pure in you, whatever you're struggling with, comes under its heat so that I can help you purify. I can help you get rid of that stuff which you don't really need. In other words, the fire that comes down helps to make you what you're not naturally. What if it's like that? What if your, the fire is not something to be afraid of? In Luke chapter 9, well, this is right, I think. Luke chapter 9, the disciples, are, these are the ones, the fledgling followers of Jesus. Um, they're following him. And uh, in verse 51, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. 
He sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. When the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from on heaven to destroy them? So these were disciples following Jesus and they had a taste of power, but they hadn't got a character that could carry that power with grace. Lord, those guys are from ISIS. They've just killed people. Shall we bring the fire of God down upon them? And he says, no. And you go, why not? Because they're my kids. Bring fire on them and I bring fire on you. But look what they've done. And he said, have you seen what you've done? But they've done, he said, have you seen what you've done? I don't have favorites. I'm not condoning their behavior. I'm not condoning your behavior. I just don't have favorites. And so what he said to James and John, because these Samaritans were like, you know, they were despised. It's very good news. He said, the fire that I come bring down is not that which you want to bring down. The fire you want to bring down is punishment and judgment. The fire that I will bring down will be healing and grace. Because God has a burning love for people. But fire doesn't fall on nothing and fire doesn't burn with nothing to burn. Proverbs 26.20 says, Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. You know the story in 1 Kings 18 of Elijah and, and Baal, where the Baal worshippers were offering sacrifice and, and, and they, they built the sacrifice and then, and then Elijah, and, and they began to pray to their God and whoever the God was true would be the one that lit the sacrifice. And so the Baal worshippers tried, 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 and there were no flames. And then Elijah built the sacrificial place where he put 12 stones, which were the tribes of Israel, and then he placed, you know, he said, pour water on four times. And then he, and the thing burst into flame and devoured the whole sacrifice. And then, of course, he ran away because he was chicken of something else. So just, uh, just be encouraged. God uses people who are not yet perfect, haven't got everything together, but they take risks and they are responsible. It's not a license for sin. It's just a, a recognition that we are very, very incomplete. But that fire came down to verify who God was and because there was something given for him to burn, something for him to receive. Matthew 3.11, John says, Behold the Lamb of God. And he says, what does he say? He will baptize you with water and with fire. And John at that time was quite judgmental. I mean, he was Old Testament prophet, so he, he thought the fire of God would be judgment. And he was quite surprised when Jesus wasn't burning everybody up and destroying them. That's why he sent a messenger when he was in prison, said, are you the one? And instead of fire and smell of smoke and burning skin, Jesus said, well, go and see the blind are healed, the lame walk. You see, one of the things that I believe God is wanting to restore to us is his passion and his power and his presence. Three Ps, passion, power and presence. How much passion uh, do you have for Jesus? This is not a judgment, this is an invitation. How much power do you have? You see, you can't, Let's use ISIS because that's the most graphic. You can't stand against an enemy if you don't have courage in yourself. So the way you find courage in yourself is you start finding victory over your own enemies that are in you. You're not going to fight other people if you can't even fight your own battles. You need power and passion and presence. And you, you, you know, we can do so much in our own strength, but rather like the people who ran around with the Baal worshippers, you can't do it. Everything about God in Jesus is supernatural. Everything about God is miraculous. Everything about God is unbelievable. And if we reduce God down to what is just believable, 
or what is just our own sphere. We, we, we won't go anywhere. And so this picture is a picture of God's faithfulness. It's also a picture of our being prepared to stand and say, here I am, send your fire. Uh, finishing with this, Romans 12, what does he say there? He says, therefore, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. They all sound like kind of quaint phrases until we hear God saying, if we want me to fulfill this word that I've given you, then I want you to stand before me and say, here I am, Lord. Because I'm not going to do it through pictures on the wall. And I'm not going to do it through the atmosphere. I'm going to do it through men and women who open their hands and say, here am I. And it's an invitation. It's it's not a threat. Because he says, I love you whether you follow or not. It's just that your life will come to life with me. Just as those disciples did. Their lives were, were risky. They took them all over the place. They faced all kinds of opposition. But they seem to say, well, flog me because you know, it's a privilege to suffer for Jesus. Now, you kind of, how does somebody get there? They take a step and then they take another step and they find life and then they go, there's nothing worth more. So they start becoming bold and they look at the face of a terrorist and say, you poor, poor man, all you can do is kill me. Then I go to heaven. And what if I'm not going to bow before you? What if I say, cut off my head? And you go, but that seems bizarre. And then I read you a story two weeks ago. It's what's happening in Iraq right now. With a couple I read the story of, the man said, today I'm going to be with Jesus. And he did. He went to hand out Bibles outside a, temple, a, a, a mosque and was, was killed. And Jesus is appearing to people in Iraq, in ISIS territory actually, as this white figure who says, I am Jesus, I am the living God. And we go, well, we're so glad we live on Vancouver Island and nobody's going to come and attack us. And you go, well, drugs and alcohol and apathy are attacking you. They've taken our guts out. We've so lost a battle in Canada now, we don't even acknowledge God. We're very vulnerable. The churches are all closing down. And then some Christians, all they're looking for is nice worship music and a smoke machine, and that's meant to be what Jesus went to cross for. We're called to something much bigger than that, much more powerful, much more meaningful. But the battle starts with us, which is, here I am, Lord. You can have my boats, you can have my nets. You can, I, I hold nothing back. There's nothing that I have that would be, I, I want to say, you can't have it. And then you become like a Christian suicide bomber, but I don't know what the alternative would be in the positive sense. I'm not being funny. It's just that a suicide bomber has said, I am prepared to die for what this is. And you cannot fight somebody who's prepared to give their life. And God's looking for people who say, you can have my life. It doesn't mean everybody's going to die. It just means you're free. So we have two prophetic words. There's an open heaven that's going to talk about provision. And there's an open hands that also talks about provision. Let fire come down. Let fire come down. Fire coming down means, Lord, it's a, it's a bit like we keep on talking here and now about we've got to call the gold out in one another. Well, I can call the gold out in you, but it's still going to need refining. You're still going to need the fire of God to make it what it can be. And you then begin to welcome it and say, Lord, I just want what you have, but what he has has to be refined in us. It's very good news because it's much more difficult trying to be pure gold in your own strength because you never make it, so you fake it. And God says, all I have is yours to help you become what you cannot be yourself. Does that make sense? Let's let's stand and uh, ask him to do what only he can do. So Jesus stands with us right now. Jesus stands before us and he calls us. 
And maybe he calls us for the first time. Maybe he calls us for the 14th time. And he just says, follow me. Papa, I raise my hands up in offering. This is all I have to give. Maybe you'd like to read this with me. Papa, I raise my hands up in offering. This is all I have to give. I raise in surrender. I'm handing over all of me in complete abandonment. It is all I have to give. These hands are yours. Teach them to serve as you please. And I'll wait, desperate to see your wondrous love, your unfailing love for me. I'll never be the same because I know you're alive. You came to heal my broken heart. You are glorified. Your holiness, show us your glory. Fire, fall down. Fire, fall down on us, we pray. And God's response is what we receive. In all the brokenness, in all the happiness, I am here, waiting to pour over you, to overflow, receive. Receive all that I have for you, the blessing. And all you have to give is more than enough. I am so proud of you. I am overflowing. Be filled with my love. I want to show you my glory. Receive, rest, and I will restore. Fire fall down. It's coming like the rain. Listen to that word from God. All that you have to give is more than enough. I'm so proud of you. Receive, fire fall down. Invite the fire fall down to say, Father, will you burn up in me those things that are getting in the way? Will you empower me so that I can become all that I am not? So, Father, we ask that right now. We ask for your fire to fall. Come, Holy Spirit. We want to be a people of passion. We want to be a people who know your presence and are not afraid. We want to be a people who know your power. Come, Holy Spirit. Let your fire fall. What's God showing you that maybe holds you back? What are the questions that you have that rise up when you're called into commitment? There's no condemnation because what comes with that is revelation. How quickly do you jump forward and say, here I am, and like Simon Peter, Jesus has to say, you're too confident in your flesh. But I prayed for you. What's the next step into an adventure with Jesus? Father, thank you for your promises. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for where you're leading us. Let your fire fall in this place. Let your fire fall. Purify this church. Purify us, Father that we might be pure gold. Holy Spirit, come. Just wait on the Lord. Open your heart. Listen to what happens when we do this. Do you disengage? It'll tell you something about your, yourself. There's no condemnation. Again, just do you disengage? If you do, ask God to help you engage. Tell Him what you're afraid of or what's getting in the way. Come, Holy Spirit. Let your fire fall. Just burn up those things, that burn up the boats that keep us moored to the places we've lived for a long time that might not be the places that bring us life. Set us free where there are relationships or connections in the heart that cause us to love others more than we love you. Holy Spirit, let your fire fall. See, Jesus is for us, not against us. And he's... He's about leading us into people who are passionate, not just full of words. So, Father, as we come to break bread together, we come to ask you to nurture and nourish us that we might live for you.